Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stuff Your Ears. We are a podcast of Bismarck Community Church, and here we will give you conversations, discussions, as well as sermons and thoughts and ruminations that all are aimed at helping us to live, or at the very least, to understand what it means to live as a faithful Christian in a world that's often not quite what we wish it were. Glad you tuned in. I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. For they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And and when he, you know, when he says this, he's he is flipping everything upside down. And it, it, I mean, who says that? Who says, blessed are those who are miserable? Blessed are those who are unhappy. <laughs> blessed are those who have nothing, right? That's not, like, he's speaking into systems, and he's flipping it upside down. We, I mean, come on, we're American, right? Blessed is he who has a good, strong 401k. Blessed is he who has the two cars and 2.3 kids, right? Blessed is he who you know, has the same job and, and a really nice pension, right? These are the things that we say blessed are. Jesus takes all that and says, no, that's not blessed. And that, to me, was a comfort. It comforted me because I am those who mourn right now, uh, the grief and the pain, and, and, and that's hard. And, 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 and Jesus says there's comfort for that, and that, that was encouraging. And I, as I sat in that, I, I don't know why, maybe just trusting God, this is going to be a weird sermon, but I, uh, I, I turned to, I, so I, I don't even know why, like I said, I had Spirit led me, Spirit led me, and I, I went to a text that I was more familiar with, and maybe it's because I was wrestling, I was wrestling, and so I landed in another passage where someone else wrestles, and I've talked some about this before. But it's a passage, it's a story about a guy named Jacob who wrestled with God. I don't know if you know what that's like, to really wrestle with God. I, I'm learning, maybe. But, but Jacob was wrestling. Now, I'm, I'm going to read you some of this. His story is in, the story I'm going to reflect on is in Genesis chapter 32. And if you have a device, you can get an app and your way over there. This thing is what we call a paper Bible. Um, you might have one of these. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of read through it and address a few things in a minute. But, but I need, in case you don't know, I need to, to kind of bring you up to speed on this guy, Jacob. His name means deceiver. That's what the word Jacob means. Trickster is a twin brother whose name is actually probably the best translation is Ginger. He, it tells us Esau means red, and he was named, his twin brother Esau was named so because he was red. He came out red and hairy, and, and so I imagine him like a, maybe a Scotsman. I don't know. Um, that's his name. He was this big, sort of tough man's man. He, he, he was a hunter and a fisher and, a, you know, just hair all over him. That's the way he's described in the Bible. He was, he was, a, he was a daddy's boy. That's true. Who's daddy's boy? His brother Jacob, who this story is actually about, is was a mama's boy. This is their, their story is told, and that's the way it's told. It's I mean, if I can paraphrase a little bit, I will tell you that Genesis says this family was incredibly dysfunctional. 
Jacob and Esau's father, well, his father tried to murder him one day, and that didn't go well. And, you know, I'm sure that's probably part of his traumas, why he's broken, whatever. And, and then, and then he, he has these two boys, and he loves one and not the other, and his wife loves the other one and not the other one. And that's just the situation. And so their dad is going to give Esau the birthright and the blessing and all this. And the trickster, the deceiver manipulates and cons and deceives his way into receiving the blessing and the birthright. His mom helps him. His mom's like, here's what you got to do. Go get some animal fur and cover your face. Dad, your dad's blind as bad anyway. He can't see anything. Just talk in a deep voice like this and go in there and pretend you're Esau and he'll, he'll you know, that. I mean, that's kind of what happened. And, and, and so, of course, Esau gets pretty upset and wants to murder his brother. Can't blame him for that. Jacob runs... <laughs> And goes a long way away and doesn't talk to him for years. Years is gone because he's running. We, where we pick up the story today, Jacob is on his way home. And he is scared. And so we'll see that. So just so we, I'm, I'm going to read a little and talk. I'm going to start, I'll just read in verse 3 and kind of highlight a few things. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, instructing them, thus you shall say to my lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob. You see, he's kind of my lord, your servant, using language like this, kind of buttering up. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, female servants. I have sent to tell my lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. He's kind of like, hey, I'm coming. Are we going to be okay? Can we get along? And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. That is Old Testament Hebrew, for he's about to have a panic attack. He is greatly afraid and distressed. There are 400 men. That's what they come back, and they're like, He's coming! <laughs> and he's got 400 men with him, and he's great, and he... And he you know that feeling. Some of us know that feeling. A feeling like, oh no, what am I going to do about this? And, and heart rate goes up. And I mean, I, I've, maybe you, I've known several people who ended up in a hospital because they thought they were having a heart attack and it was a panic attack. And that's what's happening for Jacob right now because his whole world is about to spin out of control. And so he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it in the camp that is left, we'll escape. I'll at least save half of my stuff and my people and kill one half of it. That's the thinking. And Jacob then said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. Listen to this, verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. Jacob has come to a point in his life where he recognizes two important things. God has been good to me. He's been gracious. He's been kind. I have good things. I have beautiful things in my life right now. Jacob knows this, even as he's in the midst of this. And number two, I don't deserve any of it. I don't stand here in um, worthiness of receiving all of this good stuff. Is is, is what he is praying. That's what he's saying. And he says, For only with my, only my staff, I crossed this Jordan with nothing but my staff, and now I've become two camps. 
And then he says, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers and the children. And then he reminds God, he says, but sure, you said, I will surely do your good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And then verse 13 and following, I'm going to summarize this a little bit because it gets into, you know, financial documents is kind of what's happening here. He, he takes his servants, several of them, and he takes a group of camels and a group of donkeys and a group of oxes and a group of goats, and he sends them in waves to meet Esau. And he tells the servants that are leading the, each one of these groups to, to say, uh, these, are, you know, these are for you. They belong, they belong to Jacob, and they're a present for my Lord Esau. That's, so it's kind of like what he's doing. is kind of like in our way of understanding it. He's signing over the 401k. Like he's giving lots of, these are goats and donkeys and camels and the things that we read about. This is not pets. <laughs> these are investments. This is his whole livelihood. And it's wealth that he is giving up. And so he's, he's sending these servants. And so he, the plan is, and this is Jacob's plan, Esau meets one guy with a whole bunch of camels. And he says, these are for you. They're a gift from Jacob. And and then a little while later, he meets somebody and it's a whole bunch of donkeys and, oh, these are from Jacob. And the idea is to soften Esau up. That's obvious, right? He's trying to soften him up. And he even says here in uh, verse 20, for he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and then I'll see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. That's Jacob's thinking, right? Then he, so he sends everybody away. And into these two different camps, he sends his wives and his kids and everybody. And now it says, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. It was him, him all by himself. He had no one else. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. But I want to point out one thing. He didn't let go of him. He said, uh, then he said, after knocking his hip out of socket, then he said, let me go for the day is broken. The sun's coming up. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, which remembers deceiver, one who deceives. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, which means God strives. But for you have striven with God and with men, and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face. Peniel means the face of God. I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And then the sun rose up, and he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of his thigh. So, as I looked at this, there's so much going on. And I know I've talked about, like I said, I've talked about this passage before. And I don't, you know, I didn't. This is more, like I said, this is more about me and what it's like to wrestle with God and how it feels to wrestle with God. And, and I want to point out just a few things that happened that night for Jacob. 
Number one, his life was irrevocably, there's the word, irrevocably changed. He, first of all, he has a limp now. For the rest of his life, he's going to limp. He's got a wound that will never recover. As a matter of fact, generations later, after he's dead and gone, they will remember his wound by not eating that particular piece of meat, right? Whatever. That's the kind of thing they did. This changed everything. But it also changed his name. And name in this culture was very much a part of your character. Who you were. As a matter of fact, several years before this happened, his brother Esau actually said of him, he is rightly named Jacob. That's what he ought to be called, right? That has been his story. His whole story is the one who deceives. He has conned and manipulated his way into wealth. He got cheated once on a wife deal. That's an interesting story I'm not going to go into. But for the most part, he has cheated everybody around him his entire life. And now he's got this, this wrestler tells him, no, that's no longer who you are. Now you're God strives. I like, <laughs> I like Jacob because I feel like through trickery, through deceit, through cunning, he has always controlled his world. He has always been able to manage things for himself, to make sure things went the way they were supposed to go according to him, right? Whatever he needed, he made it happen. He never has trusted in God. It's never been his story. He used deceit. He used cunning and manipulation and tricks in order to make his world work out the way he wanted it to work out. And now, in the midst of a panic attack, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing how he's going to possibly be able to escape his brother's knife, <laughs> he's wounded and he's changed, and he's not deceiver anymore. He's God strives, or strives with God. There's some debate, but that's who he is. He is now changed. He's a different person, and he will be a different person, and he has this blessing, but there's one other thing here that I find absolutely fascinating, <laughs> and as I think, if you've ever, and I tell you this, I, I, I want to tell you this because I'm, yes, obviously, I'm in the midst of wrestling. That's my reality. That's my story right now. And it might not be yours. But I'll guarantee you two things. It has been, or it will be, or both. So if you're doing great, and your life looks golden right now, please don't let me discourage you, but do hold on to this. Because it, it may not always, and when it doesn't, I need you to, to hold on to this. Number one, you can't make things work out through deceit and manipulation and trickery. It won't work. It didn't work for Jacob. He's finally at the end of his rope. He's exhausted every opportunity. He has to trust. But then there's this other thing, and this is fascinating to me, that it's even in here because he says, tell me your name. And the answer is no. He says the answer is actually, why do you want to know my name? But but he doesn't get it. He doesn't get that name. He, he's got questions that are not being answered. 
That name, as a matter of fact, wouldn't come out for several hundred more years when Moses, long after Jacob's bones are crusty, Moses says, who should I tell them it sent me? And that's when the first time, really, that we hear who this is, the name Yahweh, I am, is the name that's used. He, Jacob doesn't get that name. He doesn't get that answer. There are things, even in the wrestling, even as he's holding on for dear life, that he will not know. Things that he just will not know. We don't like that. I don't like that. I want to know right now. I wouldn't mind knowing. Maybe I don't want to know where my kid is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I want to know. There's something I don't know. I don't know. Um, I want to know, is this going to change? <laughs> I want to know, is this my life? I, you know, there's, there's questions that I have that maybe I won't have answers to. There's questions Jacob had that he, he didn't get answers to. James, many, 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 many years later, after Jacob, this is a New Testament book, he starts it out by saying, consider it joy. Consider it like happiness, different, but chalk it up as a good thing when you face trials of many kinds because, he says, the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance will help you become more perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's his. Then he says this, immediately after this bit on struggling and strife and wrestling with God. I mean, I think James is saying to Jacob, consider it joy when you feel that hip go out of socket because that wrestling is good for you. And then he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And I started thinking about that and wisdom, and this is, seems to be fairly accurate throughout the wisdom literature and the things that we read in the Bible and the, even what we experience in life, I don't think wisdom is there to give me all the answers that I want. I don't think that's what wisdom is. I think wisdom, you know, okay, so here's the way I understand it. Everybody here will know what I'm talking about. You know some of these you, you go on some of these country roads around North Dakota where everything's built like rectangles and squares all over the entire state. You know what I'm talking about? But you're driving like straight into the like south. Let's say you're headed toward the South Pole, right? And, and then you suddenly there's this like curve that's functionally a 90 degree turn, right? It's like, like that. Suddenly you're going what west, east, east, yeah, right. I have questions. Why? Right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody knows and you'll tell me later. I don't know. DOT people maybe. I don't know. Maybe you'll tell me. But that's not the question I need answered when I'm behind the wheel. I don't need to know about land rights and usage and why they chose to you know, make it this many miles south and then that many miles east and then that many miles south again instead of just do this. I don't, need, I don't need to know why. I need to know if I need to take my foot off the gas, whether I need to put my foot on the brake. I need to know how much pressure to put on the steering wheel. I don't need to know the answers. I just need to know what I need to do in order to navigate this curve. That's what wisdom is. And that's why James says in that passage, in the context of trials and struggles and suffering, 
You don't need to know His name, Jacob. You don't need to, you just need to know how to hold on. That's all you need to know. You, you know, and that looks different. You just need to know how to get through this. I'm, I don't need to know if it'll end. I don't need to know how, you know, the future, what the future holds. I don't need to know that. I need to know how to navigate this particular season. And I'm still not sure I have that answer either, but if any of you lacks wisdom, pray and ask God and He'll give it to you. Right? So that's kind of where I am with that. But I know that it's a wrestling. And I know that sometimes when we... And here's the other thing. I want you to hold on to this. If, if your life is going great right now, you have nothing to be upset about, I don't want to bring you down. But I need you to hold on to this reality because... It won't always be, and I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that, but it won't always be great. And when it hits again, I need you to remember this. That sometimes all you can do, all you can do is hold on and beg for a blessing. It's easy to let go. It's tempting to let go. But where else ultimately are you going to go? What else are you going to do? I mean, Jacob's tried everything else at this point in his life. Some of us have too. We want comfort. I do. We want rest. We want ease. We want relaxation. We want control. And some of us have tried that and tried that and tried that like Jacob has. And and now we're at a place, and it's not working. And maybe you've had those panic attacks. Maybe you have, because things were hard and rough, and it wasn't what it ought to be. And Sometimes all you can do is hold on and beg for a blessing. And I don't know. I'm not here to tell you I've crossed the river, and this is how you do it. That's not what I'm here to do. I can't. But I can tell you this. I am trying to hold on. I'm holding on and I'm begging, God, would you bless me? And I don't have all the answers. But I think that that's something that we all need. I think every single one of us at different places and different times need to learn how to just hold on and beg God for a blessing and, and not expect to get all the answers, not expect to know everything we need to know. And I also think, and I've said this one before, and I won't belabor it, we need to be honest about our limp. I know I've talked about this, but in case you haven't heard it, kind of belabored it once. I don't want to do that again, but I, 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 maybe I will. Jacob limped for the rest of his life. It was obvious to everybody who met him that he was deeply wounded. Do you know... How many of us, I don't know, but I bet some of us do, how many of us like to smile and say, I'm great, and we're just dying inside? We're just wounded and hurt and ugly, maybe, and just it, everything is broken and wrong in my life right now. I'm fine. How are you? It's so tragically common that we do this. Jacob limped for the rest of his life because he encountered God 
who is ultimately the one that we depend on. We can't go around. We cannot. We cannot depend, really truly depend on God. Really truly hold on to Him and beg for a blessing if we're, on the other hand, trying to pretend that we don't limp trying to pretend that we don't have any wounds, trying to pretend that our life is absolutely perfect. If we're doing that, I tell you what you're not doing. You're not busy holding on and begging for a blessing. We can't do it. We need to be people who are honest about the wounds, honest about our limping, honest about our struggles, honest about our doubts. That's okay. Be honest about the things that we don't know, the things that we're uncertain of, the the places, like, he didn't even know who he was wrestling with. He just wanted that blessing. <laughs> Some of us may not really know who we're wrestling with either. But I promise you, if you hold on, you might find a few of those answers. But more than that, you'll find hope. I think comfort, I think a blessing is in order if we just are able to hold on. I'm not saying all the answers are. And I'm also not saying perfect health is, because Jacob didn't have that. He had a limp for the rest of his life because he encountered God, but he survived. And I think we will too, but we just have to really hold on. Let me pray for us, and then I'll, we'll turn to this meal that we have prepared for us. Jesus, help me to be like Jacob. <laughs> the deceptive, cunning manipulator who finally in the end knew that he had no hope but to hold on to you. That is, um, that's what we need. And I hope you don't have to drive each and every one of us into a panic attack, into absolute fear and misery like you did Jacob but you do whatever you need to do to get us to a point where we know there's nowhere else we can go and where we're willing to just simply hold on to you give us courage and strengthen our fingers so that we can hold on remind us that even as we do you're holding on to us and I just pray that you would grip a little tighter and meet your people, all of us, in the places where we are hurt and broken. And help us to uh, be honest about those places with you and with others. It's in your name we pray. Amen.